Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Comics Deserve Better podcast, where we cover the world of independent comics. I am one of your hosts, and not the Snyder Cut, Brian. As always, I'm joined by the wonderful Darcy. And absolutely not the Snyder Cut. Thank you very much. Yes, yes. Um, or I, I think we're both neither cut of Justice League, right? <laughs> not the Wade and Cut either. No, yeah, God, exactly. Jesus. <laughs> oh, you don't want 15 minutes of uh of the camera facing uh wonder woman's butt just keep me out of the dceu yeah, ex- please exactly and thank you i'll i'll go play in the animated universe where yes. things are more than slightly better absolutely that's definitely where dc thrives right now so well <laughs> On this episode, uh, we will be talking about uh, Fence, Volume 1, as well as a couple indie titles that have been greenlighted for an animated series, um, a forgotten comics creator, Cats, Perfect Strangers, and much more. So first up, as always, is the news. And actually, our first item is a continuation from last week's uh, Diamond Comics story. Scout Comics is now leaving Diamond Comics distributors, but not for Simon & Schuster, but uh, they are now leaving for Lunar Distribution, which might sound familiar because that is actually the uh, distribution company of DC Comics as of right now. Um, Lunar was set up from a comic book store uh, from their distribution Back uh, at when uh, Diamond had uh, their COVID-related hiatus uh, last year. So um, Scout's relationship with Lunar will start in April. And that is, I believe, the second uh, company now that Lunar has. That's our smaller option. Yes. It's, it's, uh, I, there's, there is some kind of moral issues with having a store like have the the pull list of of other of other um comic book stores that are local to them absolutely however it is you know it is one step up from or better than simon and schuster having the more more yeah. uh business so that's good and like we were saying it offers yet another option it makes people think just a little bit harder. What am I doing wrong that people are pulling away, mm-hmm. which is definitely you're doing something wrong. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's just one more kind of nail in the coffin, hopefully to some of the bad behavior that's been going around. Competition definitely makes things better in, in, in some ways, you know, it makes people strive to do their best and gives people a, a reason to uh, to improve because if it doesn't hurt monetarily to be bad, then they're just going to be bad. So <laughs> if you have to have a shitty sort of capitalism system yep. that's <laughs> going to be shitty to people, then you got to do something. And this is the sort of something that's got to happen might as well use it for to its full effect for quality right yeah competition yeah. has to be there in some way exactly all right well um next we have two uh different comic book series that uh were greenlit for an animated series as well as an animated movie uh first is the uh the boom comic series slam uh by pamela ribbon and veronica fish which uh follows a competitive roller derby team um and it will be produced by rooster teeth studios as of red and blue and rwby um and it'll be on the streaming service hbo max it's sassy empowering fun and violent and shouldn't be great television so kind of excited about that 
I love roller derby like so much. I'm so here for this like as a concept. I've not read like the source material, which I'm kind of upset about. I should. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm all here for roller derby. I'm I'm kind of really excited about this. When I saw this on the on the news, I was like, holy crap, I need to get on that. No, yeah, me too. I'm actually surprised. I, I am also a fan of a roller derby and I haven't read this and I love Veronica Fish, so Hopefully they keep the art style of hers in the animation, but you know, regardless, it's pretty awesome that they're doing this. Mm-hmm. So, also um, the IDW published Canto uh, by David M. Boer and Drew Zucker is getting an animated film and will be adapted by Will and Jada Pinkett Smith's Westbrook Studios. Uh, Boer and Zucker will be executive producers and Boer is penning the screenplay. Um, I know we spoke about Kanto before, um, but real quick, it's a fantasy story about a clockwork creature who goes on a quest to free the hearts that were stolen by the species that has enslaved Kanto's people. And um, so it's a nice fantasy story. So it sounds like it will make a good movie. Hopefully it won't be like uh, the last Will Smith fantasy movie that he was involved with, which was bright and uh, be good <laughs> or the sci-fi before that or the Ooh. whatever before that or the whatever before that yeah he <laughs> yep. i'm i'm hoping for the creator's sake that this goes super well for you know them yes. but and, yeah and i think last time we talked about it, i couldn't remember the the series the jim henson series that or movie that it reminded me of but now i I remember it's uh, it, it very much reminds me of Dark Crystal, so yeah, like I, the source. I, it's coming from good source material, and that's yeah. that's kind of like what I've got faith in. Um, but just there's putting Will Smith's name on anything at this point doesn't give me any sort of faith in the project. Like, oh, it's Will Smith's production company. That doesn't give yeah. me good feelings about there, a thing now there's not as much credit as there used to be with this there name. really isn't unfortunately yeah definitely unfortunately all right well that's actually all for the news um so moving along uh, it's time for the quick hits uh, darcy uh, what do you recommend this week um i'm going back and doing one of my history academic bullshit things that people probably hate but i don't care uh i, I like found a too. thing and so. i want to talk about a thing <laughs> so um this is old um it's old news but a professor friend of mine um who teaches at uh the university uh a university in thailand uh Chulun university at Chulalongkorn University in uh, Thailand kind of was talking about it. And so I was reading about it and found this incredibly interesting. Uh, there's this uh, history of like pre-colonial and colonial era, era and post-colonial like art in Cameroon and specifically highlighting Ibrahim Joya. Uh, as this artist and kind of graphic designer who is important, not as like a figure who created comics in Africa at all. Like that's not who he is. That's not who I'm trying to sell him as at all. Uh, but there's an article from last year in the comics journal 
uh, that kind of points to the concept of like artists creating art that were like comics that were comic like in their illustrations and like the art that they created were kind of basically comics but this artwork that he did at this time was essentially comics but he was doing so much more he was such an important artist and he was such an important creator and he's probably not someone that most people in America are very familiar with you know he's a colonial era Cameroonian uh, artist <laughs> it's not exactly an era or area of history many of us are taught about uh, so Ibrahim uh, Njoya he is or was um, he's no longer alive I don't think that's surprising uh, he was born in it wasn't Cameroon at the time. Cameroon is a name that came post-colonial. Uh, at the time, uh, it was Bamoon. And he was an important person, not just because of like what he did, which was kind of like become one of the most important artists in the region, but also kind of who he was related to. He's kind of like related to the sultan at the time uh, by a couple of steps and also eventually he ends up marrying uh, the sultan's daughter um but he is in, he's like a graphic designer is kind of what we would call him today he helped redesign the sultan comes up with this really complicated uh symbol system for language almost like kanji almost like maybe even more like hieroglyphs the first time he does it. And it's very kind of a very complicated system. And as Abraham learns it and does a very good job with it and, but it's very complicated and he's like, I need to make it better. And the Sultan kind of puts him in charge of making it more writable, kind of like a hiragana katakana kind of thing. And so he kind of redevelops this language. So he does that. He does book covers. He does batik, uh, which I think most people probably associate with uh, like Indonesian fabric, but he does it kind of on paper, uh, which is sort of uh, like illumination around like medieval illumination. He does it for his borders around images. He does, as like the Germans come in to South Africa, the Sultan welcomes them. The French come in later, less welcoming. <laughs> uh, he just, every time something changes in his life, his style changes very drastically, which kind of makes sense. He does, he, he draws maps really, really well. He does agricultural calendars. Uh, because it's World War One and the Germans are in the area, and because it's post World War One and the Germans are still in the area, he's getting all of these um, propaganda cards from the Germans, which have all these like generals of Germans, very stiff pictures, and he kind of replicates that and does these pages of uh, Bamun kings that are really beautiful and fantastic, and he builds books he because he's this graphic designer he does page layouts really fantastically because he's this 
he develops, he helps develop this language, you know, it's the Sultan's language. They're the Sultan's books. He's just writing them. He's the Sultan's language. He's just designing it. Uh, he, he's got this incredible way of laying out a page. He's got this incredible way of designing pages to make everything fit really perfectly. And as he goes on in time, he kind of makes these sort of six paneled um, illustrative stories where he'll do like daily life in the country. And he will, he, he translates uh, regional fables or fairy tales or myths into what are essentially comic books. And he can like continues to do this throughout his life. And he does pretty much everything else artistic that's possible. Like he carves, he does, he does everything. If it's artistic, pretty much he does it. He's insanely talented. One of those people, you know, just like if, if it's artistic, he can do it. Um, so just his work is so varied, so impressive. I think he's worth checking out just to see you know, like what can be done with art and what page layouts can look like, what lettering can look like. And that step between kind of like, I don't want to necessarily say, yeah, like the step between maybe fine art and comic art historically, like that place to get there because that's what kind of what this feels like uh, and and to look at it from a region that we don't normally look at with comic books because we typically look again North America Europe and Asia we don't generally look in Africa and this is this is an area to do it. I, I haven't really made much of an examination of modern African comics and, and possibly I should. And I, I kind of, this has made me really want to look into that. Um, and I'm, I'm going to make an effort to do so. Uh, but just looking into this history has been really fascinating this week. And I just, I recommend you look into his stuff because he had an amazing body of work, just his scope, everything he could do just mind-blowing yeah I, i've been looking at the, the the article as well as the pictures just now and lots of great tapestry work a lot just a lot of cool batiks and and yeah like the 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 six panel works are definitely are definitely comics you know like there's there's no doubt about that and it's really cool that that this person was creating the you know that stuff like in, in the early 20th century in west africa that's that's pretty amazing yeah and it i mean that uh those were those were just so beautiful and the borders yeah. just really got me just how beautiful the borders are and just like at like further close to the not really the end end of his life like the late 40s when he started taking up wood carving and started doing like the stories and wood on the wall like, yeah he was such a good like pencil and art and pen and art artist and then he started carving wood and it was like it was I don't it was almost better like he was almost a better wood carver than he was a pen and he was already so good like drawing 
but his carvings were gloriously detailed. I don't know. The man was incredible. And I'd, I'd never heard of him before. And he was just this person that he's not that old historically. As far as art goes, it just blew me away reading this article. So I was like, I've got to share this with someone. He's going in my quick hit. Definitely. Thank you for sharing sharing it because this is amazing. I, I, the wood carvings are definitely just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Okay. Well, um, I guess we'll move on to, to my book here. Um, I have one from a couple of weeks ago. It's called uh, Undone by Blood or The Other Side of Eden. It's uh, number one, the first issue by Lonnie Nadler, Zach Thompson writing it. Uh, art by Sammy Cavella. Uh, colors by Jason Wordy and letters by Hassan Asame Alahu. Um, po- it's published by Aftershock Comics. So this is the second Undone by Blood series, if that name sounds familiar. Um, and just like the first, it's a split story between a crime a related story that takes place during a specific era. And then there's a correlation of a Western novel that about a gunfighter named Solomon Eaton. And the, the story kind of goes between those two stories through it. Uh, they correlate in themes and kind of what, what happens uh the 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 whole thing is that one the main character of the the story that you're that that this this thing is about the arc the story arc <laughs> is um is reading the solomon eaton book while while things are happening during during their life so it it's kind of interesting it's it's kind of like the tales of the black freighter from Watchmen, but i think personally think it's done even better than that in this um but in this one uh the this is about a uh two postal workers who are in the uh, dust bowl during the great depression and decide to uh rob this uh random high-rise building that's in the middle of their town uh, of butar texas or butter texas i it's b-u-t-t-a-r but um so it has that gritty crime story feel and uh but it's being told in a clever way and because it's like two period pieces in one book so and it also has great art so i'm all for it anything with great art and i'm one of those people the black freighter thing i remember the first time i read it i skipped it yeah (laughs) and see and this is this is definitely i think because it's more interspersed it's harder to skip and it's actually the Solomon yeah. Eaton story that, that that could be its own comic and it would be an interesting comic the the western right. yeah so this is the the first uh, story arc had Eaton like go- going to rescue his son who got kidnapped by former uh, bandits that he used to work with and um and this one is he gets arrested in Mexico during a gold heist so fun so yeah fun so yeah yeah and so and then so obviously he was robbing something and he got caught and so that tells you something probably is not going to happen well for the two postal workers (laughs) that are trying to rob this building so we'll see what happens postal workers never have it easy no definitely and one of them is is uh, mexican and there's a there's a note in the newspaper that in the area that at that time they had recently deported like like over like a thousand mexican citizens back to mexico even though they were u.s citizens so 
he definitely has two things not going for him during the, the depression. No, that does not sound fun at all. No, definitely not. But makes for a good story and something that should be told. So I'm definitely all for it. Okay. So speaking of things I'm all for, let's uh, move on to our main course of the week which is the uh, third installment of our sports month and is uh, Fence Volume 1 from Boom Studios by C.S. Picat, Joanna the Mad, Jim Campbell, and Joanna LaFuente. Um, this was my choice this week, and, the, and it's the story of uh, Nicholas Cox, who is a fencer from the wrong side of the tracks and an illegitimate son of an Olympic champion. Uh, Cox uh, instantly starts a rivalry with a fencing prodigy named Seiji Kadayama, and then to his dismay finds out that, that Cox and Kadayama are going to be attending the same boarding school and are also roommates in the, in the dorm. So no, no sense and no way to avoid, avoid one another. Um, the pressure is also on for Cox because he's there at the school on a uh, scholarship and that scholarship relies 100% on whether he can uh, make the boys fencing team. So uh, a lot of pressure there. So I chose the book because I read it before, enjoyed it, definitely. It's an interesting take on the sports manga genre from what I've read of sports manga. Um, it's, uh, it's really queer and all actually explains and makes the sport of fencing very interesting. So a lot, a lot of good things there. And Darcy, so uh, what did you think? Uh, okay, this is a book that's been recommended to me a lot. It was recommended to me like when it first came out. It was recommended to me pretty much every time somebody tries to recommend me a book, this gets recommended to me. I don't like it. I've never liked it. I like I, I try to read it constantly because pretty much everyone I know does like it almost. Um, <laughs> I, I like lie to people and tell them, oh, yeah, fence. Yeah, then, <laughs> sure. Um, because, you know, it, it ticks a lot of those boxes that I, I do like. Um, and I get why people like it. And I totally respect a lot of the things that it's doing. Um, but I get kind of like uncanny valley feelings when I read it because it, it is ticking a lot of those boxes. It's sort of like, uh, I don't know, like wearing someone else's underwear almost or something. <laughs> I don't know. Like it, it, it's doing a thing that just isn't quite there, but I understand what it's trying to do kind of. So uh, the things I really, really respect that it's doing are, you know, the diversity that it's including. If you look at sports manga, like all manga, diversity is a serious thing it has issues with. Understandable to some extent, you know, manga car writing in Japan. Japan's not a hugely diverse country. They're writing from their own experience. Okay, whatever. But if you're writing from a more diverse country, you want to write from your own experience, you don't want to write, you know, an undiverse book. Yeah. So I definitely like what they're doing with that. Great. Fantastic. Um, a lot of that was really good. Uh, like I've said before, I don't mind a hugely tropey book. There are definitely 
pulling, you know, like from the mount, from the sports manga trope book, that's great. I don't mind that at all. That's not my problem with the book. Uh, my problem was just like they were maybe pulling too heavily. Um, and I think my issue, and I, I really had to try to, because every time I've read it before, it's just been like, oh, I don't like this and put it away. And this time, since we're going to talk about it, I really tried to get into why I don't like it. And I think the issue is the main character, there's like a foundation of what sports manga is built on. And that's your main character, sometimes, not always, but one of the foundations of like this Kuroko no Basket, some of the others, is you've got a main character who's really, really good at a thing, he thinks, or she thinks sometimes, but usually it's he. Um, just the best at the thing. And then he goes to do the thing and finds out, oh, but other people are also the best at the thing, right? Uh, foundational for sports manga. But usually the character has to have some sort of like charm to make the assholishness of being, oh, I'm the best at the thing, not be just an assholishness and for me our main character in this book has no charm um and neither do any of the other characters in this book um they're all just kind of assholes there's one or two side characters that are pleasant um but it's kind of like they're just pleasant um they're just all kind of jerks and I, I don't like that. They're not fun to read for me. Um, and, and usually I find sports manga to be fun to read because they've got this passion and they're enjoying it. Like the quote unquote bad guys, if there are bad guys, and a lot of them don't actually have bad guys. Um, they're all just they kind of want to do their best like that's kind of my favorite kind of sports mangas we all want to win because we kind of love the sport um i i don't really like assholes in sports manga and all of these guys were just kind of assholes and i just kind of don't like it for that uh so yeah i do like the art it's very clean it's very it's very nice. The color is very happy, very vibrant. But again, because it's pulling at a lot of those uh, uncanny valley manga feelings, I miss the texture that manga gives you because it's definitely saying, oh, I'm a manga. You know, it's throwing those tropes at you. It's doing the chibi thing. It's doing the eyes. It's doing the sparkle. It's giving you just enough to make you remember manga, but it's very flat. It doesn't have that texture. It doesn't have that depth. It gives you color, which is great. The color's fantastic, but without the texture, it just gives me that uncanny valley feeling. So uh, I read it and it kind of makes me just feel a little bit hollow webtoons are in color webtoons are in color so if you've read a webtoon that's in color there's still some texture there and so i'm trying to think about the flatness that exists in those but you've got a shadow there you've got texture there and so it doesn't give me that same feeling even though you've got the same 
tropes and they're not necessarily pulling from manga though some people do like a lot of the people doing webtoons or doing korean manga have also read japanese manga have also or they're also pulling from some of those same tropes they've got some of their own but they're also pulling from some of those same tropes but they've got that texture and that texture really does make a difference when you're kind of pulling from that same foundation so I don't know. It's just, it, it gives me some of those feelings, but it, it also doesn't help that I've been trying to read this book for years now and just haven't managed. Another thing I really, really like about this book is the economy in the um, explanations. A problem with any sort of like niche sports book is the need to explain the sport. Most people have not seen fencing, have not done fencing, will not do fencing. So they're not going to understand the point system. Or they're not gonna understand how to perform the activity. Um, one of the good things about fencing, I think most people understand what stabbing a person is. It's good to be stabbed good to good to not be stabbed right that's that's the good that's the bad um <laughs> definitely but but um like they don't do that giant exposition drop which you do definitely see in some some comics we'll do one next week which is a, a rare sport and there is a giant exposition drop uh, at one point because it's it's something you will have probably never heard of and they explain a lot all of the sudden uh and and this doesn't do that it drops in tiny bits of information as you need it you don't need to know that getting hit with a sword is bad you know that that's obvious and so they're really good at economy of explanation and i appreciated that a lot but but uh, they all just kind of rubbed me. They were all very, very asshole-y, very childish. The whole, we're going to put a line down the center of our room like we're 12 years old, <laughs> really got on my nerves. Just, just stuff like that. Just I, I just could not with these two children. They were very frustrating to me, especially maybe I could have if, if we hadn't done like dragon hoops two weeks ago yeah. with these children who were actual real living children who could, you know, take on the world <laughs> um but oh, these kids they were they were super awful and annoying and i hated every single one of them i think dragon hoops ruined us for sports month <laughs> I, I think that i think it possibly did it was so incredibly good uh though this did make me like uh roberto clemente better <laughs> oh yeah no yeah, i yeah, definitely me too um so no i um no, I, I totally get it. Um, I don't have as much experience with sports manga. And so, um, you know, I'll, I'll, my opinion probably will change of fence once next week, which we are, we are doing a sports manga. And, um, but so I can, but I can definitely relate to that. I, you know, things that I've read a lot and then I try to read something. It's kind of like the RC Cola version of, uh, of, of something you can just totally tell the difference and and all you see is the things that are not making it what it should be and and so so no i totally get that and um 
but it's it's very it's very clean it's very economical yeah and, and i do get it i get what it's doing i i respect what it's doing i like a lot of the decisions it's making i really do it's just not quite there for me it's just like on on the precipice uh, it might do in a pinch but you'd rather just have the the real thing like the, the sports thing yeah and and the real thing is honestly problematic. Like I've I've yeah. got no problems calling out all of the problems that exist in in sports manga. So there's problems there. Don't get me started. But no, totally. I mean, you know. And and I and I think I think this definitely has to be um, celebrated for you know being as diverse it is as it is. It's definitely you know it's a it's a great gay romance book that doesn't just focus on like hey everyone's gay so everyone's different it's no it's just some people are gay some people are not whatever you know people love each other so it's uh it, I, I like that approach to it um that that was definitely the relationship part of it was a big thing for me um and i do love um, i've mentioned here many times i hate exposition dumps so i did i do love the, how they present the sport of fencing um definitely um i don't know anything about fencing before i read this i just knew about swords and yeah like not, not getting stabbed is good <laughs> so not getting stabbed is good yes so um i um i'm all for that and um, i like i like how you know it just kind of gives you quick brief you know goes at like what you know what what, are, what is a point and what are the different types of fencing you know what what the differences in the swords you know the, this this book is primarily ep um so you know ep fencing and the only reason why i know the word ep for this uh this comic is i used to do crossword puzzles and that is a crossword puzzle answer in a lot of a lot, lot of uh newspaper crosswords which is like a fencing sword ep um so yeah that's my experience with fencing so <laughs> my experience is other manga yeah it shows up a lot oh they, yeah they like they like to do fencing in manga it seems like a good boys or boys or like a, a or a kind of an academy type sport a, board, a boarding school thing yeah, yeah boarding school sport so so and i and and from what i know of like manga and tropes that I, uh, boarding schools and like and like going away like kids being away from adults is kind of one of those tropes that's experienced a lot in manga so that definitely does make sense. Just a random thing you walk in on a rich guy doing randomly. <laughs> yeah. Taking so, off, taking off fencing uniforms for some reason. Yeah, it's, it's just totally like like this is this is a normal thing that like rich people do. Like, oh okay. Obviously. Yeah, you know. We're, we're either tasting wine or driving fast cars or or fencing each other. That's what we of do. Of course. Yes. What else would you do? Isn't it fun being rich? Uh, okay. so, it must be. Yeah. No. Um. I love. I love the uh, the artwork as well. It's definitely a, a one of the big things that 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 I enjoyed about it. I didn't notice the textures uh, because I, I like I said my experience with with manga is is not as as big as it should be so um i i did i did not recognize that so i but i can definitely when she mentioned it i can see that i can definitely see the difference and um as of the characters um 
I do agree that yeah, they're all kind of kind of asshole characters. Um, I don't know how far you've read through here. I know we just read volume one for this, but um, some of the characters definitely improve as we go along. Yeah, I, ass- I assume they probably did, or else the captain. What the would ca- the point be? <laughs> I love the captain. What would the point be? <laughs> Yeah, no. Totally. Uh, Har- Harvard was Harvard, yeah. the best character. Bobby was great, but Bobby's mm-hmm. like it has to be sweet. Like that's the point of Bobby. Bobby yeah. has to be sweet. But outside of Bobby, like Harvard was the only reason I didn't set the whole thing on fire. <laughs> like Harvard, Harvard had the one funny thing in the entire the entire thing. Oh, I told them they had to go talk to the coach about room changes or whatever. That's the one joke in the entire volume. Yes. Which made them have to go do suicides or sprints. Was it suicides or sprints? They, ha- they call they them suicides, to, but they seemed but like they, they didn't look sp- like suicides. They, were they like just sprints. looked yeah. like sprints. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they had to go do some sort of penalty uh, like yeah that was like the only funny thing I found in the entire thing hilarious loved it yeah so yeah Harvard Harvard to me was the character I was reading for and still most of the time I didn't really find him interesting because he was reacting to things as opposed to like actively doing anything but Harvard I found interesting and compelling and I would have rather followed Harvard around yeah Nicholas I can I could have just thrown him in a bin yeah yeah Seiji Seiji was definitely a he's he's a very unlikable character and I'm assuming that's what the the goal of Picot was to have a very unlikable character so yeah and I'm I'm interested and I, I also I I did enjoy the immaturity of of Nicholas Cox and and uh and Seiji. Um I don't know why I have to say Nicholas Cox's full name every time, but apparently I do. It is kind of weird. And, yeah. <laughs> so I um um but the reason why I liked it is because um you know I like the fact that these the even though obviously like Cox is there to learn like he's still a good fencer and they so they're good at a skill that a lot of people are not good at but then and they're more mature in that way but then in life they're acting like two eight-year-old or five five-year-old kids that can't share a room together (laughs) so Mm -hmm. i i I found that very very interesting like i i I like that personally and i can totally i can totally get that like i i like I said, I get why people do like this 100%. I get why it appeals to people. Like that whole enemies to lovers trope is super popular. Yep. That whole miscommunication, people not getting along at first sight, people eat that shit up. I get it 100%, but it's it's almost one of my least favorite things. No, I, I totally get that. I cannot stand it. So I... <laughs> So this definitely this read around reminded me a lot of breaks which we covered, right? And 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 that has that rivals to to lovers kind of uh, that trope as well. I and I honestly and the Bible feel like breaks does it better, and they do it a lot. I agree. They do it a lot faster. The pacing is a lot faster in, in that mm. as well, which I definitely enjoy. You can tell it's going to happen in fence, mm-hmm. but. You know, it's like 
when are we going to get this? And when it happens, is it going to ruin the rest of the book? Because it, it, you, it's been such a buildup. And as far as I've gotten in the book, I think I'm like, I think I've read the first three volumes of it. Um, they're still, they're still hate each other. So, <laughs> but yeah yeah my thing with with the difference between because yeah that that's kind of my thing with with this and breaks because definitely every time i read this since i read breaks because i'd read this before i tried reading this before i'd read breaks and when i started reading breaks when Re rebecca recommended Re Re that was hard to say rebecca recommended tongue twister when rebecca <laughs> recommended breaks to us and i started trying to read that like my first thing was like oh god vince yeah. um <laughs> but i actually did like breaks and the difference for me was those characters felt more developed like they had personalities that were a little bit more developed to me yes um I can't even remember either of their names. Rebecca's gonna kill me. Uh, and I feel like awful person. Oh, no. But it's been a long time since we read that. But those those two characters felt just a little bit more lived in. And I think it probably had something to do with that being a webcomic. So it was revisited like day by day. And um like you build that up a little bit slower page by page instead of just sitting on it at once you know kind of what mm -hmm. i mean um so that might have had something to do so when you sit with it as a an issue you're building up um with a character that as a volume feels like a wholer character because it's been built up slowly whereas a volume of this that character has been sat on all at one time but has not been built up slowly. Does that make sense? No, it, it made sense in my head. No, it totally does. It's the the foundation is kind of like not as solid in this. Right. Yeah. Right. So so yeah, the 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 two boys in breaks felt just a little bit better. And and their their problems with each other felt just as stupid. Yeah because they were stupid it's all stupid but like you said they came together a little bit faster so they're stupid and, and, and they didn't put a goddamn fucking line in between their two bedrooms <laughs> exactly you know they, like they that's just... a that's a thing they did in full house in the 90s like i could yeah. not get over that the second that line went down i nearly threw my computer at a wall this was a i love lucy moment you know that it was it was edgy in the 50s but yeah it was um, edgy in the 50s so i had to look it up and i apologize to rebecca as well but the two characters from breaks is ian and Cortland. ian Cortland, yes, yes. Ian, was, ian was the little blonde boy Cortland was the was the darker haired boy yeah yes the 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 uh the the not ne'er-do-well but the the more darker past character yeah so but Ian smoked, so yes. he was also a bad boy. They were both little boy bad boys, yeah. In their own way. And then they fall in love. In their own way. <laughs> and then they fall in love. Yes. And they kiss. And then, and then they, they kiss in bathrooms. And and then they then they kiss when they're both not unconscious, which is nice too. Because also the, nice. The first kiss was kind of interesting. It was very much dubious consent, yes. yes. Yeah, definitely. But you know, um, 
but back to that's to, what we're talking about today. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna say hi to Rebecca. I hope she's listening <laughs> to this. Um, so, um, well, um, with with fence, no, yeah, I I agree. I think you know, I, I definitely um feel that the characters do get better as they go along but but unlike other books that we've read in the past it's it is it's, it's the the progress is definitely a little more flat and it's not as a as as a kind of a pleasant like you know cl- climb to the way the characters are later mm. in the story so mm. no i totally and i i oh and you mentioned bobby earlier and i do have to say shout out to bobby I, that Bobby is one of my favorite characters in this book by far. The- oh yeah, Bobby Bobby was adorable. Bobby was great. Eternal optimism. I love it. Yeah, without Bobby, Nicholas would have been worthless. So Bobby was that was that cute item that was necessary to make Nicholas tolerable. Definitely. Absolutely. And I, I that's that is a, a trope, an anime trope that I do like a lot, where you have the kind of the fun, kind of cutesy, not necessarily comedic relief, but more like a cutesy, like a chibi relief type character. So I'm trying to think of that. Is that a makeover show or like a movie or whatever, where you take a scary, a scary guy and you give him a, a cute item? I think it's maybe a manga, a manga makeover thing scary guy you give him a cute item like a little kitten and it makes him less frightening it's got to be a manga what am i thinking it's about not, sounds I don't like a know. manga but it does sound actually manga really and cool anime. And interesting it definitely does yeah they're, they're they're trying to make him less scary you've got to give him a cute object yeah you give him a little kitten <laughs> T- take away the knife and put a basket of roses in their head <laughs> exactly so you take nicholas you give nicholas bobby and you make him just a little bit less annoying yeah and that's that's what bobby was bobby did make nicholas more tolerable anytime bobby was in panel with nicholas nicholas was more tolerable Mm -hmm. absolutely kind of the extra little spice that you need for the character Mm -hmm. well um actually i don't have much more to say um do you have anything else you want to add aiden was terrible mm-hmm. he gets a no no i was gonna say he gets a little better no he doesn't <laughs> it was kind of um you know like the harem the harem harem manga thing i guess was what they were kind of pulling that oran host club thing yeah. which i get you know but Ugh, I hate that character. He's always my least favorite character. In you know, oh, the pretty boy who gets all the girls, or in this case, the pretty boy that gets all the boys. I get it. Yeah. You, you you're so you, you're so pretty. You're so beautiful. You're gonna sleep with everybody. I get it. Go away. You get a little more background about Aiden later, and you feel a little more sympathy. But he's still, of course, not <laughs> the, the best <laughs> character. Yeah no um i just and, wanted 20 okay. more pages of harvard harvard yeah. was the only one i liked yeah outside of bobby <laughs> no totally okay yeah and yeah and i definitely agree um i i do um i like it personally i i definitely i haven't picked up the the trade paperback yet but i probably will but i definitely 
you know, there are, are some flaws and I, I have a feeling after reading a, a good sports manga, like we're going to next week, I might, my opinion might even change from there, you know, getting more exposed to the source material. So we'll see. Don't raise your hopes too high. Yeah. I'm not saying we're reading the best sports manga next <laughs> week. We're just reading one with a weird sports network next week. I'm excited. I'm introducing, though. I'm introducing weird sports, not, not the best sport Yeah. or the best manga. All for it, though. Weird sports. I'm always up for a little bit of weirdness, especially in manga. <laughs> so, I, I am a, a Junji Ito fan. Oh, so. we didn't talk about Coach Williams. Oh, yes. The coach. Yes. And I love the, the, you had mentioned it earlier about um, the, um, the board and having all of the quotes on the board where if someone said something that was on that board, like she was sick and tired of hearing those the students say that so she make them run suicides so that that was pretty cool i thought that was a pretty clever thing to have yeah i really liked her i didn't know like i don't know i i've not done any like background on the person who wrote this so i don't know what influences they were coming from she really reminded me of momo from uh ufuri or big wind up the manga slash anime there's also an anime i mainly read the manga um but she really reminded me a lot of momo from this volume i've never read past this volume i've not managed it but um i really liked her a lot like outside of harvard probably coach williams is my favorite uh so yeah coach williams she was great no nonsense character but with but obviously still has a lot of heart and, and cares about her students i mean that's mm-hmm. a pretty great character Hmm. yeah wasn't wasn't really in it much probably not in it enough yeah um but like like kind of that's the things i like about her the things i liked about like that character in uh in in other examples of sports manga just enough um like care shown to the students obviously care shown to the sports paying good attention yeah I, what was done with that character was done really spot on really perfectly so yeah that that character was translated really well as the tournament moves along um she gets a little few more times to shine so definitely she's a little good. bit bigger part of it just like harvard gets a little bit bigger part of it as well so no definitely um okay well i think that might be it for now then and so we'll go ahead and move on to our last section of the uh, of the podcast of the of this episode, where we will talk about the comics that we are looking forward to in the near future or not so near future. Sometimes, uh, what are you looking forward to, Darcy? Um, I am looking forward to cats perfect strangers uh which is a french comic because apparently i'm just reading french comics now (laughs) Uh, it's being translated and brought over by dark horse in september again i'm just using this to hold it so i will not forget because i got this news article that i need to not forget exists Uh, so dark horse is bringing this over thank you again dark horse for translating comics for us yes um it is basically about the joys. It's an all ages comic, first of all. Yay, all ages comics uh, about the joys of being a cat owner. Uh, it's being translated. Uh, I had the translator's name too. Where did that go? 
I lost it. Um, but the the writer of this is Frederick Bremond, uh, who did Love. Uh, so those silent comics that mm -hmm. I love so much. Uh, and the artist is Paola Antista, um, who I'm not personally familiar with because I don't read a whole lot of, I guess, French all-age comics. Uh, but apparently she was uh, involved in Disney's Frozen comics, which I think came out recently. Um, but it, the art looks really cute. And it's about growing up with cats. So I'm here for it. Mm -hmm. The art's great and cats are awesome. So definitely seems like a good book to pick up. And that's September? Yes, yeah, I think September like 20, is it September 21 or September 21st? No, September 29. 29th. Okay. <gasps> yeah, September 29th for comic shops, October 12th for bookstores. I don't know why that's a thing. But Usually it's the other way thing. around sometimes. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's what Broken Frontier is saying. Okay, well, interesting. Um, but no, um, all for it. Uh, hopefully, yeah, we'll we'll have to remind each other closer to the to the date because that's yeah, definitely I've, something. I've saved a note. I'm super excited. This is uh, Rebecca sent it to me, and I was like, oh God, cats! Yeah, <laughs> all for it. Me too. Um, all right. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, something that is actually might be is actually out by the time you're probably probably listening to this. It's um, a dark horse book. It's coming out. Uh, the 17th of March, uh, Orphan and the Five Beasts by James Stocco or Stocco. Um, I was just introduced to his work recently for by the short box book of Sobek, and now I want to read everything that he creates. So um, I saw his name on this book, I saw the artwork, and I'm like, okay, buying this, I don't care what it's about. But in case you're wondering what it is about, it's uh, it's kind of a story of a warrior orphan who seeks vengeance on the five demonic disciples that killed his master. So kind of a cool Kurosawa-esque vengeance story with great art. So it sounds like a lot of fun. All for it. it. It does sound fun. And it's always nice when you find somebody you like and just can go down a library. Yeah. The kind of like the yes, please. Like, okay. Like, mm -hmm. like, oh, this kind of looks interesting. Oh, James Stocco. Okay. I'm going to read it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It makes things a lot easier. And a lot more expensive sometimes though, but. <laughs> that, that too. That yes. too. Okay. Well, um, so it looks like actually we are now reaching the end of the show for this week. Um, first of all, big thank you as always to everyone listening to our show. Um, if you have a question or comment, uh, you can send us an email to comicsisarebetter at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at Twitter or Twitter at cdbpod. Uh, check out our website at comicsisarebetter.wordpress.com for all our episodes and socials, as well as a form on our contact page to request a subject for us to do in a future show. Also, please give us a review if you want. And... Uh, on any platform that you're listening to right now. So Darcy, where can we find you on the internet? I am on Twitter at books underscore serial and on WordPress at books and serial dot wordpress dot com. And eventually when uh, this 
sci-fi thing that John Boyega finishes, I will write something about it, but it's still just ongoing and still being super interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm like, I'm not putting myself to sleep with it because it's not like something that makes you fall asleep, but God, that man's got a good voice. He has a wonderful voice. I I totally agree. (laughs) And did you read, did you listen to the, the latest episode? The one that no, I had the one that yesterday. No, I haven't. Oh, it, don't tell me. It's Don't good. spoil. It's good. Okay, that's all I'm gonna say. It's super no, it, good. it popped up yesterday while I was working, and then I was like, okay, we've got to go to sleep. But then yep. I had problems going to sleep, and but I couldn't. I, I I've got to listen to it today after this. Fortunately, I had to do legal documents at work, and when I'm doing legal documents, I listen to podcasts. So, yay, <laughs> I got to listen to it today. I I used to podcast and work, but now I write. Yeah, uh, you know, I so I have to, and I find myself writing what I'm listening to too often. Mm-hmm. So like, there's only some, there's only some reports that I can do, and write and listen. Like I can, I can write and listen. Most of them, it's like okay, all this financial stuff I can't do at the same time. Yeah. It's too complicated. Yeah. yeah, if I have to write an email to somebody, then no. I, if it's something like when I when I say I'm doing legal documents, I'm basically just adding names to to. Uh, to a form so that's easy mm-hmm. to do but when i'm actually mm-hmm. have to think about what i'm writing no i have to mute or turn off the what i'm listening to yeah so totally um all right well on instagram you can reach me at bryjan underscore cb um twitter which i haven't used most lately except for retweeting a few things here but it can be reached at uh bryjan 2814 i am kind of proud of my current handle on twitter which is shes brian which is making fun of the shazadam thing that dc is trying to pull right now so i thought that was pretty good pat myself on the back for having that idea (laughs) so all right well for darcy um i'm brian and this has been the comics deserve better podcast so remember comics deserve better and everybody deserves comics so good night Night. Bye.